be mercifully shorter than, than normal tonight. In this passage that I've heard a million times, read it a million times, heard it a million times, <clears throat> pretty much Marian feast days, it's a normal, normal reading to be read. But in this passage of Mary meeting Elizabeth, I think that we sort of think of this as kind of a celebratory moment when it happened. It says that Elizabeth cried out in a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, etc. We have maybe this impression that sort of Elizabeth's servants were around, or that somebody was there to record this scene for us, and there was kind of a big commotion. But the reality was, was that both Mary and Elizabeth's pregnancies were largely hidden from the world. Elizabeth, her pregnancy was known because her husband Zachariah had been in the temple and then she conceived in her old age, so the whole kind of town knew about it. But it was something that they'd otherwise want to keep a low profile about because this was a supernatural conception. How does a 60-year-old or 70-year-old woman conceive a child? And how is it that it's done through this prophecy of an angel to Zechariah? It's the kind of thing that would draw the attention, not only of the Jewish authorities, but of the Roman authorities, too. And so this is kind of the, this sort of pregnancy on the hush, if you will, entrusting to the people who know, and there are a number of people who know, but the danger of letting this news out. For Mary, she's immaculately, or her, in her womb, Jesus is incarnated. That means God enters her womb and becomes flesh. So God has no beginning. Jesus has no beginning. The Word of God, the second person of the Trinity, the Son, enters her womb, takes on flesh as Jesus. That's clearly a secret. That's clearly a secret. We read in the book of Revelations that the dragon, or or Satan, is searching the world in search of the virgin and the child, and he's trying to find the virgin and destroy her. So, Joseph and Mary in this pregnancy, although again, the villagers know Mary's pregnant, but they just naturally assume that Joseph is the natural father. But Joseph and Mary are keeping this very secret about what is this pregnancy. And so it's in this context, in this understanding of Mary and Elizabeth coming together, it's like this secret underground religion kind of thing that if word gets out, they will both be murdered for this, for what's happening. And so Mary travels to meet with Elizabeth. She meets with Elizabeth. Elizabeth is excited. It's a confirmation of her faith. And Mary is confirmed in her faith. They both have these supernatural pregnancies. And they kind of have to keep a lid on it. Because if everybody finds out, they're doomed. And their babies are doomed. This is what it's really like at this time. And so for these two women, this is an incredibly religious experience, these nine months of their pregnancies. And of course, for the rest of their lives, would be very religious too, and into eternal life in heaven. But it's very, very religious in the sense of a kind of a gravity about this, that their little babies don't belong to them. Their little babies belong to God. And their little babies have a job from the womb. And both of their little babies will be murdered for love of God. Very, very heavy 
pregnancies, a lot of seriousness and gravity around us. And so how do they spend their days and their time? Well, it's not running around in their car going shopping all over the place. It's not surfing the internet for the best deals. And it's not watching TV and all of that. They don't even have washing machines or dishwashers or whatever. Their time is spent very simplistically in a, in a little life of just self-care, in a life of prayer, silence, and stillness moving about when they need to move about, obviously, etc., but a great deal of contemplation in their life. When we hear that, that sounds beautiful, and it is, and I hope that we can try to claim some of it. That we can try to claim some of it. So in a world where if you just turn on the news, whatever news that is, you immediately lose your peace. The world is just always it's like, ah, whatever is going on. Just lose your peace. You're doing all that internet shopping on the, on the internet kind of deal, or you're running around from store to store, or shopping this or that, or worrying about, i got to get this present or that gift, I da, 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 da. and God just kind of gets forgotten. The whole religious peace gets forgotten. But imagine if baby God were in your stomach. Then what gets forgotten is all of the hubbub of the world is what gets forgotten. And baby God in my belly is what gets focused on. It really, really accentuates the focus. If for this last week of Advent, it would be beautiful if we could claim some of that. And I'm not going to say just try because that won't work. To do that, I think that we've got to calendar it. We've got to actually put together a last week of Advent calendar leading to Christmas. When am I going to bed at night and turning out the lights? Because if I need eight hours of sleep, then getting up in the morning depends on when I turned out the lights last night. So if I need to get up at six, then I turn out the lights at ten. That kind of thing. And then kind of come up with a day plan. And in that day plan is, where am I going to pray today? Where am I going to have my downtime today? Where am I going to have my spiritual reading today? And it might just be that for one week the TV doesn't get turned on because it gets crowded out with all of that prayer and spiritual reading that doesn't otherwise happen. But in this last final week of this pregnancy, the focus becomes God. It becomes God and my relationship with God. And then that, from that place, hopefully, we begin to draw closer to God, not only in this week, but this week becomes a catalyst for drawing closer to God as the weeks and the months and the years to come. Lastly, this. Elizabeth says of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Blessed are you who believe that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. So these blessings are in this context. When the angel comes to Mary and says, Hail, full of grace. says, Hail, full of grace. That hail is something that a servant says to their Lord and Master. Archangel Gabriel says, You are my Lord and my Master. Hail to you. That's what hail means. He says, Full of grace, meaning sinless. You're sinless, and you're superior to me. When Elizabeth says, blessed are you, 
What that means in Mary's context is receiving the fullness of God's blessing. For the rest of us, we receive some of God's blessing because we're sinners and our sin just kind of blocks out, you know, all of that sunlight of blessing that God is trying to bestow upon us. But in Mary's case, she absorbs it all, the fullness of God's blessing. And why? Well, she is sinless, but because of her faith, and that's what this means, who believed what was spoken to you by the Lord. The thing is, is we just don't quite have that trust to believe that if God really becomes number one in my life, that my life will dramatically improve and that I won't actually miss all that screen time or all of that world time or whatever it was. But that my life will improve. But more than that, God will be glorified and loved as he wishes to be by us and that our neighbor would be loved as God loved me. But that comes back to faith. Mary is full of grace and full of faith. And because of those two things, God is able to come to her in a uniquely special way. Now, I'm not perfect and you're not. Mary is. So she's got that on us. But if we can grow our faith, then believe me when I tell you that Jesus will come to you. He'll come to anyone who gives him the focus, the time, and the energy. He will come. But for that, we need to grow our faith. So in this final week of Advent, let's collectively grow our faith. Let's tune out a lot of the things that are just going to accelerate us and amplify us into our head being anywhere other than God. And instead, turn down the volume. Turn some things off. Slow down. Maybe simplify the gift giving and simplify the preparations. Make that list of when I'm going to bed and when I'm getting up and when I'm going to pray and when there's going to be spiritual reading in my day and when I'm going to be calm and still so that it will happen. Because if there's no plan, it won't happen. But if there's a plan, it could. And then for this last week of Advent, Spend it with the Lord.